Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket, imports, domestics, microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere, wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks, roast their peanuts fresh and out every day, pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. Joining us now in the Sunbury Motors studio on the line is the great Hall of Famer, Ray Dittinger. Ray, welcome back. Great to have you with us, my friend. Nice to be with you, Steve. All right. Uh, your thoughts... Uh, um, you've watched you've Mahomes watched a lot, and, and you've covered, you've covered the greats, the greats a, lot. a lot. What makes him, in your opinion, when you look at the other greats, what makes him in that category in your mind? Uh, well, he's got, you know, he's got all the all the you know, the physical requisites. He's got he's got he's you know he's not as big as Manning and Brady, but he's big enough, and uh, he's got. Uh, he doesn't have Brett Favre's cannon of an arm or Elway's, but his arm is strong enough. Uh, but what he's got is just an incredible intuitive sense of how to play the position and how to see the field. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's not, he's not a Michael Vick scrambler, but he moves well enough that he can make a play when he has to. But most of all, it's just, it's just his overall command of the game, the way he kind of controls the game and the way he never gets flustered or frustrated um, with, you know, I mean, this is three times now in Super Bowls that he's brought his team back from a double-digit deficit to win. Three times in the Super Bowl with all that pressure uh, to, to bring a team, to, to rally a team, and to, to kind of figure out what's going on. If, if you're sluggish in the first quarter or the first half, kind of figure it out and then come out in the second half and uh, and make the adjustments. And the other thing that, you know, when you, when you go back and you watch the film of him, the thing that jumps out at me is uh, just his ability to see the field. I mean, to just kind of know where everybody is, to anticipate things. It helps a lot. It helps a lot that he has the kind of relationship and the kind of simpatico he's got with with Kelsey. Because when he's in when he's in trouble, he will look for Kelsey. And the two of them have been playing together long enough that they always know where the other guy is going to be, and he always knows. Where he, you know how he can he can find the hole and he's going to be there on time and he delivers the ball but I think it's yes he's got tremendous physical skill there's no question about that but a lot of it is just his ability to be composed and poised and confident at times when the other guys on the field are not and you know Andy Reid so well in all of this what makes from you know obviously Mahomes has great talent. But what makes the Reed Mahomes deal work since you know Andy so well? Yeah, well, I mean, Andy's a great teacher of the quarterback position. And you look at the, the guys that he's had, you know, going all the way back to his days as an assistant in Green Bay. I mean, he, you know, he's very, very responsible for the growth and maturation of Brett Favre. I mean, he, you know, he, you know, Mike Holmgren hired hired Andy and brought Andy in and sort of just made him and and made him Brett Favre's big brother, you know, and and Favre was a tough guy to coach early in his career because he was impulsive and he was impatient and you know, he didn't always follow the script. And um they, they, Andy taught him how to play the quarterback position well enough to win three MVPs. 
you know, and then he comes to Philadelphia and takes Donovan McNabb out of Syracuse out of one kind of offense and molds him into running his kind of offense and has great success with him. You know, and then and then you know, he brings back Mike Vick at a time when everybody had written Michael Vick completely off. Brings him out of you know, out of having been away from the game, been in prison. Brings him back to where he's NFL Player of the Year, uh, and then you know, then he goes you know, and then he goes to to Kansas City, has great success with Alex Smith, and then but then really strikes gold with this kid, um, which is which is interesting because it seems like a long time ago now, but when he came out of Texas Tech, I mean, there was a very very big split of opinion on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, about how good he was and how good he could possibly be at the next level. I mean, he did not have great success in college. I mean, and, and part of that was Cliff Klingsbury was his coach, and so I think that was part of it. But, I mean, when he came out in the draft, I mean, there were some people that really liked him and thought that he could come to the NFL and be a big star. And there were other people that just thought he was kind of, you know, a kind of a, a guy that played in this wild air raid kind of offense that, yeah, his numbers were what they were, but he doesn't really have the discipline or the patience. Uh, to be a big player in the NFL, but Andy, you know, Andy didn't see any of that. I mean, Andy just saw a kid with tremendous promise, and he's, you know, he's uh, he's coached him up to the point where now well, there's no question he's the best quarterback in the NFL today. And at 28, I mean, there's no limit to how good he could become or how many, you know, how many accolades he could possibly win. I mean, people are now starting to say that, you know, maybe if everybody's assuming that Tom Brady's the greatest of all time, and he probably is, is it possible that at 28? You know, Patrick Mahomes could overtake him. It's, it, you know, you know, I don't rule. I mean, it seems like a lot to say, but I certainly wouldn't rule it out. All right. Uh, now, the overtime rule has been in play for, I think, 28 games now. Uh, but none of the games went to overtime. So we hadn't seen it play out in the NFL. It's easy for me because I do college football. And I've announced a lot of overtime games, okay? Right. And the rule is very simple. You always go on defense first. I realize you're starting from the 25. The kicking game is not a part of it. There aren't any punts or kickoffs in the college game. But you always want to see what the other guy does first because you know you get a possession. Were you surprised by Kyle Shanahan's decision to win the toss and elect to take the ball? I was. uh, I was. Um, as you said, I, for, I kind of just anticipated that that's what he's going to do. Uh, and when they made the call, I was a little bit surprised. But then I heard Shanahan's explanation after the game, uh, and it, it kind of made sense to me in, in that, okay, if we, if we get the ball and we score, and they get the ball and they match us, now the game becomes sudden death, and I want the ball. You know, if if we score, they score. Now it becomes a sudden death game, a true sudden death game. And in that case, I want the ball. And so that was that was his that was his reasoning. Uh, and although it surprised me at the time, when I heard him explain it, I kind of understood. Yeah, I understood to a point. Except except when you talk to the you listen to the Kansas City people, if it if it was matching a touchdown, they were going to go for two. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> so it's like okay. Uh, either way, what do you think of the state of the game right now, Ray? I mean, we just watched the Super Bowl. There was a lot of fun. It went to overtime. What do you think about the state of it at this point? Uh, 
I've, I thought it was not a very good regular season. Agreed. Uh, I think I think I think yesterday. I think the game yesterday uh, to send it off with a great championship game, which that was, with a lot of drama and a lot of really good players, and you know, two big time coaches going back and forth and overtime. I mean, it was it, it was a great finish. It was a game that uh, I think everybody, except for the Forty Nine er fans, could walk away feeling pretty satisfied. Um, but yeah, yeah, I look back over the the regular season and. Steve, I got to be honest. I didn't think it was very good. Okay. Uh, I thought that there was uh, uh, a lot of spotty play. Uh, I thought that uh, there were a lot of just flat out bad teams that co- that resulted in bad games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I th- and I thought maybe one of the biggest things of all, and this was consistent week in and week out, was the officiating was just terrible. Yes, I mean the NFL the NFL officiating was just awful this year. Uh, and I know that people in Philadelphia are, you know, I mean, they're dismayed because their season unraveled and they crash and burned. But that's, you know, that's just a fan's perspective. I'm trying to take the bigger picture of what the overall health of the league was this year. And I didn't think it was very good. I thought the, I thought the general level of play was not very good. But more than anything else, just week in and week out, I was just, uh, I mean, the, the officiating was just so bad. I thought that it, uh, I, you know, I'd, I don't know what the league's going to do about it. But they certainly have to. They certainly have to take a take a good hard look at it because it's it hasn't been good for a while now. But I thought this year it might have been worse than it's ever been. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that is a huge problem uh, that the league has right now. I'm not sure how to solve it, but they the fans in the game deserve better than what they got from the officials this year, all the way through. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no question. And uh, you know, a lot of it to me is. Um, I mean, you look at you look at the NFL rule book now, and it's you know it's eight inches thick. Right. And uh, every year they go they go in and they add more, you know, they add more stuff to the rules. They add more nuance to it. They add more judgment. Uh, and I think it's just yeah, I think it's just making the game. I think it's well, the game was probably always hard to officiate, uh, but the speed of it, and uh, but I think they've made it harder. Because they're asking more of the officials now in terms of judging what somebody was thinking in, a, in certain mm-hmm. plays, and I, I just don't, I just don't know how you do that. Um, and it's, it, it just, and it doesn't get any better. Like I, I say to people sometimes, when we're talking about these things. I say, can can anybody in this room tell me what a catch is? Yes. You know, if, if, raise your hand. Raise your hand if anybody here can mm-hmm. tell me what's a catch in the National Football League, because I don't know. It changes from crew to crew. It changes from week to week. Uh, and in a league where they throw the ball all the time, um, to me that's one of the most frustrating things is, is that that one basic idea, what's a catch, seems to just have the people of the NFL flummoxed and no one seems to have an answer for it. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. What about now? You and I both know that over the air television has been a critical component to the growth and success of the league, both financially and in viewership. They took the one playoff game between Miami and Kansas City, and it was Peacock exclusive. Next year, it's going to be Amazon Prime exclusive. What do you think about what the NFL is thinking in that regard, considering what over-the-air TV has meant to the to the reasons they're at the point they're at right now? Yeah, uh, I hate it. <laughs> yes, I do too. I'm sure. I'm sure you're not surprised to hear me say that. As, as somebody who um, is is very much is, is very much a traditionalist yeah. uh, and an old schooler, and I make no apologies for that. Um, but yeah, I thought it was. I, I, I hated the idea, uh, and I fear that uh, we're going to go more down that road. 
I don't think we're I don't think we're going to stop us. I don't think this was a one off. You know, I think I think we're going to see it again. Uh, and if they get the kind of numbers and they generate the kind of revenue that they're hoping to to generate, we're going to see it's going to grow. But you know, I just think that it is such a disservice to the NFL fans and the people that have supported this league and and made this game what it is now, which is far and away the biggest the biggest game in this country, if not the world. You know, to to now all of a sudden now you're going to start charging people for something they've always had for free. Um, I just think it's wrong, um, but I think that it's it is such it is such a I hate to say this, but it is such it is such a greedy institution. Yes, the NFL. I mean, they they just want to keep squeezing and squeezing and squeezing and squeezing to get to get more money. You know, and and I it, it sort of gets back to I was talking to somebody the other day about oh the Eagles are going to play in São Paulo, Brazil. Wow, yeah, yeah NFL is going to South America, yeah. and my my response is yeah, why? Right. Why? That was what, going to be why, my next why, question. Why are you taking your game? Why are you taking your regular season opener, one of the Eagles' home games, by the way, mm-hmm. and you're moving it to San Paulo, Brazil? That's progress. You know, to me, all the stuff that we've just talked about, Steve, all the issues with the league, uh, especially the officiating, the the the, the 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 fact that the replay the, the replay thing has become just a boondoggle. That every time you do it, they say it's supposed to go fast and it just seems to go slower. Right. The idea that people can't do, describe. Anything as simple as what's a catch, nobody knows. I mean, all you got all of these issues with this game right now, and plus, you know, the issues with injuries and the complaints about the turf and the and the players' association wants to get rid of our. You got all this stuff, all this stuff, real serious stuff about your game going on that really needs study and really needs to be resolved. And you're worried about well, should we take games to Brazil or should we, I think we should maybe take a couple more games to Germany. I think you know, come on, do a better job with your game. Do a better job of serving your public. Do a better job serving the people mm-hmm. who have built the NFL to what it is now. Don't worry about trying to sell T-shirts in Dusseldorf, okay? Yes. Just try and make your game better. And that was going to be my next question, and you echoed everything I, I've thought. I mean, you're going to fly nine hours to Sao Paulo. Now I realize, you know, it's, it's the first game, so you can do that. But the fans of Philadelphia... Their home game helped make this league what it is in this country. They deserve to have the game in Philadelphia. That's me. Yeah, well, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you 100. Um, percent But there's just so much avarice among among the owners. I mean, they just at a certain point it almost gets back to the you know the the Charlie Sheen question in in the movie Wall Street. You yes. know how many how many how many how many speedboats can you water ski behind? You know how much you know how much is enough? Um, you know, just if, if I were if if I had any role in the league office, if I had anybody if anybody's ear, that's what I would say. I would say just just take care of your game. I mean, there's a lot that it's, look. It's a great game, and you watch a game like yesterday, and you're reminded of just how great a game it is. But I mean, there's it is there's so many things that are wrong with it, and there's so many questions, and there's so many things about it that are unsatisfying on a weekend and week out basis. You know, work work on curing those, work on making your game as good as it can be for the benefit of the coaches and the players, and most of all, the fans. You don't have to you don't have to worry about trying to globalize your game, as Roger likes to keep saying. I mean, that's his big initiative. How about if your initiative is just making your game better? Make your game as good as it can be. I think that would be better for everybody. 
Yeah, I know. I've got a basketball game at the end of the month at Iowa on a Tuesday night at 9 o'clock, which means everybody's getting back about 4, 4.30 in the morning. The running joke we have is, don't forget, it's all about the kids. <laughs> so, so, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, and listen, that's what you, you're right. And uh, to take that one step further, what's the one thing that Roger, that Roger Goodell always says, I mean, always says, whenever he gets near a microphone, his, I've, seen, I've heard him say it once, I've heard him say it a thousand times. It's all about our fans. Yep. It's all about our fans, is what he says. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's all about your fans, why are you putting games on pay per view? You know, if it's all about your fans, you know, I mean, there's, it seems to be a basic contradiction here. Uh, I mean, it's an easy thing for him to say, and, the, and there's no question the league owes its fans a tremendous debt because they built the league into what it is right now. But if it's really all about the fans, then you're not going to be taking mm-hmm. home games away from your fans, and you're not going to be asking TV, you're not going to be asking NFL mm-hmm. fans to pay to see other games and playoff games and. You know, do I think that we're ever going to live to see the day where it'll be a pay-per-view Super Bowl? I don't think so. I mean, I don't know that it will. I, I can't tell. I don't think it will ever go that far. Mm. But I can't tell you that it absolutely won't. Right. right. No, because uh, Amazon is going to pay like Peacock did this year. NBC they pay. They're paying 110 million for that game. Right. Yeah. They're, they're, they're gladly taking the 110 million. They're gladly going over to Germany. They're gladly going over to, to, to England. Now they're going to go to Brazil. They're talking about some other game someplace else. And there's a, to me, there's a triangle, right? Every time there's a, a labor dispute, you know that what do the players always say? Hey, without us, there's no game. Well, you, and I, you and I both know that without having an owner, there's no money, there's no game either. But here's the part of the triangle nobody, anybody ever talks about. No fans, no game. Okay, you and right. I remember the WFL. No, no fans, no game. <laughs> right, no question. I remember the. I remember when one there was one of those labor stoppages when when the league actually did shut down. I don't know if it was eighty four or eighty seven, but I remember I was on, I was on some panel uh, and they were arguing back and forth, um, and you know the players were saying we are the game, and the owners were saying no 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 we are the game. And I said, you, you don't get it. The game is the game. <laughs> the right. game is the game. Yes. You know, that's really, and that's, that's really what the people care about. And if they don't care, you know, the players come and go. I hate to say that, but it's true. Yes. And they don't really care a whit about the owners because they know they're just rich guys that are making more money. Right. But what the fans love and what the fans keep coming back for and what's, what really has been responsible for the growth of the league is the game. The game is so damn good. Yeah. Well, you know, don't lose sight of that. But I fear that in, in the quest to build this thing into an even bigger money-making colossus than it is right now, that's all they're thinking about, is how can we make more money? Whereas I would be thinking about how can we make it a better game? Right. Because in the end, making it a better game will make you more money. Oh, no question. Right. And, and, the other, you know, and you're dealing with other stuff, Steve, like, you know, I mean, you know, now, now they want to do two games on Monday night. Yeah. And, you know, now they've got, you know, you've got one o'clock games on Sunday, four o'clock games on Sunday. You've got Sunday night games. You've got Thursday night games. And, and late in the season, you've got doubleheaders on Saturday. And, you know, I mean, they're trying. I, I guarantee you there are people within the league that would love to see an NFL game on TV every night. Yeah. Every night. And they're they're trying to make the they're trying to make the NFL into the NBA, and it's not it's not. There's you know football pro football isn't the same as pro basketball. It's the it, coaching it's different, the playing is different for sure. But they're but if if they could if they could do what the NBA does, which is have games on TV every night, they would do it. 
And would, would it would it hurt the product? Absolutely. Would it be tougher on your coaches? Absolutely. Would it be tougher on your players? No question. Yeah. The injuries would go up. But they don't care. If they can make money doing it, they'll try to do it. This has been as fascinating a conversation as I could ask for. Ray, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. That was terrific. Oh, my pleasure, Steve. Always a pleasure talking to you. When you see my buddy Dick Girardi, tell him I said hi. I will see him on Wednesday night, as a matter of fact. So <laughs> we just got oh, back from all right. uh, tell, Chicago tell, yesterday. Tell, 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 yeah, tell DJ, uh, tell DJ I said hello. He's one of my favorite guys. Yeah, he's the best. Thank you so much, and I will, Ray. Thanks so much. Oh, okay, take care, Steve. Bye-bye. The Hall of Famer Ray Didinger will shift gears to Penn State football with Nate Bauer in the final half hour. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection. Imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing and can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Final half hour. Great to have you with us. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews. They've got the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, lots of soft drinks, and plenty of snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Dipping sauces as well, by the way. Six great flavors of slushies. And the pickle bar, led by the personal favorites, the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. It's all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory with great warranties. The pre-owned inventory they over with a fine-tooth comb. That's how they earn the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Terrific service department that backs it up. Routine, difficult, they handle it all with great technicians. Pros, pros. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Big weekend coming up. 
Uh, Penn State basketball tomorrow at Nebraska, noon, 11.30 the airtime on the network. Penn State wrestling coming up on Sunday at 4 o'clock with Nebraska. That's in Rec Hall, 4 o'clock on Sunday. And, of course, this is Thon Weekend. This is Thon Weekend. So whatever you can do to help out Four Diamonds, please do whatever you can for the kids. All right. We've had one Hall of Famer after another on today. Neil Kulong, Ray Dittinger, Tim Kirchin, and adding to the Hall of Fame list is on3.com, Blue White Illustrated's Nate Bauer. Sir, welcome. Oh, wow. What an intro. Thanks for having me. It's what we do in this industry. We come up with winning intros. Sure. Then well, I'm flattered. I'll keep coming back. I mean, we <laughs> this. That's the entire idea of it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I will start with uh, yesterday. It was James Franklin uh, and Justin Lustig, and then the second-year players all got a chance to talk. What was your impressions of each as you went through it, James, Justin? Start with James first. Yeah. Um let me think. I mean, James uh, was James, right? It's it, it, the the conversation kind of runs the gamut, uh, right? I mean, it's February. Uh, there, there was no signing class to speak of. That that whole uh, February signing day is a thing of the past, obviously, in terms of its relevance. But it was the first time we've spoken with him since uh, certainly hiring Lustig. Uh, there has been. Uh, some time, right? A few weeks of Andy Kotelnicki and Tom Allen being on campus and, you know, those guys kind of settling in so that they're, you know, he was able to talk about that. But the thing that stood out to me was two things, really. The conversation regarding the SEC and Big Ten mm-hmm. in terms of his satisfaction and, and, um, you know, relief, I would say that the commissioners of, of those conferences are being proactive about trying to find a path forward for college football. He gave, he gave pretty detailed answers and responses and brought it up a few times, right? It, it It's really the first time that I can remember him being encouraged, uh, in, right? I mean, it, it's, it's a probably a longer conversation for a different day, but Franklin is, is, not shy about sharing opinions of the state of the game, mm-hmm. which is not true of everyone, right? But he he doesn't mind he doesn't mind uh, getting into it a little bit in terms of areas that the game is deficient. So that struck me. And then the second part was, uh, you know, certainly conversation regarding NIL and um, some of the. Some of the things that Penn State has institutionally and infrastructurally, I would say, that create the conditions for transfer portal success or not, right? Talking about the academic calendar, I thought that was maybe one of the first times that he's talked about Mm. that in those terms, that Penn State's academic calendar being... Uh, up by a week I've changes talk, the, yeah, the parameters. I've talked about that a lot over the years, that it is something to think about because it, it, what it does is it compresses the time for people to make decisions. Yep. Yeah, so, so that was 
that was James. He was good. I mean, you know, seemed like he was in a uh, good mood, and um, certainly they're trying to push the the program forward. You know, as, as they work through winter workouts and get into the spring. Uh, Justin Lustig was a man of few words. <laughs> he didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. He wasn't. He wasn't big on elaboration, but that's okay, right? It's 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 interesting. You you as the media reporters, you want to get a vibe on a guy, and and he's I think trying to give you the best answers that he can. But at the same time, when it comes to evaluating players and the personnel that he has, it's not. There's no real ability to do that, given what the type of work that they're participating in at this point in the year. Right, you can't. You can't do it until they're out in the spring, and that's even in spring. That's even in scrimmage stuff. Yeah, and and even then, I mean, remember, I think Stacy's first year, they were inside for most of spring practices to the point where, you know, you you just really have no idea with your punters in Haluba Hall (laughs) <laughs> what they can do and what they can't do. <laughs> so, you, you, there are times uh, where you can maybe judge based on which one of the girders they hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was, um, you know, but certainly a guy who is from Pennsylvania has a, a great affinity for Penn State, and uh, this is a natural fit. I think that, I think that maybe some of the odd fits that that. Franklin has had. I mean, certainly, I don't think anybody would argue with the success of Joe Lorg and Stacey Collins over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those were West Coast guys, and they wanted to get back mm-hmm. to that area of the country. And so, to, to have a guy now in Justin Lusty, who Penn State has flirted with previously in those yep. job searches, right? It gives them it gives them maybe some stability uh, there at special teams coordinator. Now you get a chance to talk to the second year guys for the first time. Yep. Um, which allows people to find out that, for example, Carmelo Taylor is uh, allergic to red meat. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's which, is, which, which is one of those things that happens in life, and if you know about it, it explains why he doesn't put on a lot of weight. Uh, but what, what were a couple of nuggets you were able to glean from that? Yeah, uh, you know, so certainly in the midst of winter workouts, you have a lot of these guys who weren't early enrollees last year who are going through it for the first time, and the guys who, uh, excuse me, through winter workouts for the first time, and those guys even who were at Penn State last year are going through it for the second time, and they right, you can you can get a sense of how they're adjusting, how how they're handling it. Look, like winter workouts stink. They're, they're not fun for anybody. Um, there, there are very few guys who well, who look forward to winter workouts. Well, even I'll give you. Know I will give you two primary examples from a year ago. Abdul Carter and Denai Dennis Sutton last year went through winter workouts for the first time because they were late in release. Yeah, yeah. So uh, right, uh, Jamil Lyons. Right, like I mean, you name it. Uh, Jamil Lyons talking about uh, this. The, they do something called aqua bags. Which is carrying not that much weight, um, you know, relatively speaking, but it's in its water, <laughs> so it throws them off balance, um, and it just it just rips these guys up. I mean, it, that was to a man. Literally, everybody that spoke yesterday that was asked about winter workouts brought up aqua bags as being this awful 
drill that, that they have to do. Kills their arms, kills their shoulders, you name it. Because it's um, new. So that was, it's new. <laughs> it's like, yikes. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was that. Um, you know, Anthony Donko being at uh, a tackle, right, and, and staying at tackle, that, right, that is, that is where he um, appears to be kind of settling in, even though he spent all year last year, most of the season, until the very last week. Uh, repping at guard, mm-hmm. that that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly Penn State has a need there after Caden Wallace and Olufashanu ha- have have moved on. That right tackle is going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spring right. is going to be a competition, mm-hmm. and they got some guys vying for those opportunities. Yeah, no, no question. All right. So uh, the other part too, uh, you know, when James looks at the landscape, I mean, the expansion of the college football playoff has a chance to be really good. Look, everybody has to realize that since 2016, for the most part, with the exception of maybe a season, two seasons, with the exception of two seasons, Penn State's been in the top 95 to 93 to 95 percent in the country. The problem is only the top three percent made it. <laughs> I mean, and that—that's how close they've been, and like, and it's hard for people to accept that. It—it's just. Uh, you know, look, this is something that I've been talking about for a long time. Uh, it, it was a, an absurdist system. And, and there, there are those who are still out there who cling to this notion of what college football should be in the quaint, like, I, I don't know, love affair with, with two or four teams yeah. being more than enough to represent fairness in the, the major sports playoffs. Like, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. It's been ridiculous for a long time, um, right? As I was watching the NFL playoffs, right, even before the Super Bowl, thinking to myself consistently, day, you know, week in, week out, there are people who exist who would prefer that the wild card and divisional rounds of the NFL, right? Can you imagine hmm. that being your opinion? Oh, I, I don't want this. Right. Let's skip straight to the championship round of the NFL playoffs. Yep. Uh, all right. And the, and the argument is, oh, it's that's the NFL. College football is different. Oh, it's not. Stop no, it. it's not at all. I mean, that's what strikes me about it is that some of the greatest moments in the NFL playoffs have been in the other rounds and not the Super Bowl. Totally. Totally. It, it, like, it, and people flock to it, right? Like, there's a reason. In any case, I, I digress. This, it, this is uh, certainly expansion of the playoff is good. I don't think, it, and I mean, I'm sure you're tapped into this, Steve. Like, this isn't done, right? This is this is not the final version of, of where this is going for this sport. Uh, the Big Ten and the SEC in cahoots now is significant. Right? It right. is going to change the way uh, that this plays out. I will not be surprised if there is uh, a, right a different version of the playoff, even than what. Right? I mean, everybody's been so concerned about guarantees for conferences and right. those types of things. That'll, that'll change right. next Tuesday. What if the SEC and Big Ten just right. do it themselves? Right. I mean, they could because it's going to change next Tuesday. Because they subtly passed a rule in October that you have to have eight schools in a conference. 
So the two so Pac-12 two schools are not going to stand in the way now because it actually reduces their chances of getting in the playoff. Right, so that, I mean, so that's going to it's going to go five seven next week. But whether that's enough, I don't know. And look, structurally, there's there's so many things about operationally how the NCAA works that just aren't compatible with <laughs> fairness. I mean, in in every way, right? right. And, and I don't begrudge the notion of the NCAA and what it. It attempted to do at one time in its history, but that's over. That's over, right? And NIL has changed that. Uh, Removing the barrier, right? Like NIL cannot be long-term what the funding mechanism is for college player salaries, effectively. It can't. It can't. Um, And so I think... That what you've seen is, while there has been, and Franklin talked about it yesterday in a different context, the swinging of the pendulum. That's what he talks about, right, is how it goes back and forth and back and forth. Well, you've seen this swing immensely toward fairness for players in terms of what how players are compensated, whether that's by an education or more than that. Mm-hmm. That that has been a great progress for players and the participants, the people who actually make the game. Well, they've got to swing the pendulum back, not against the players, but against the unfairness of competitiveness in the game mm-hmm. that has been created because of it. Uh, it it's, not, it's not about like certain programs having uh, an advantage over another. It's, hey, this is wildly unstable. You, you, right, the, the the notion of the transfer portal windows, uh, the right to have free agency before your postseason. Uh, Lane Kiffin talked about it before the Peach Bowl. Like it's crazy, it's crazy. And yeah. so I think where you're headed is a much better, more sense making place. And it might be painful to get there eventually. It might not be right away, but I think that's what the Big Ten and the SEC are aiming to iron out. There's also another part, too. Uh, is the, there's some talk about maybe a small expansion of the NCAA basketball tournament. We'll see how that plays, but that's been broached as well. But you look at next year's Big Ten tournament, 15 of the 18 are going to be going. That means three are out. Chris Altman, Holtman, by the way, has been fired today by Ohio State. Uh, but... To me, that is a move that is a coach killer. I mean, that's a coach killer. To the three teams that don't make it, that's a coach killer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I, 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 this is probably not an opinion you care about, but I think, it, I think it's absurd to fire a college head, head coach. Um, with a month left to play in the season. Oh, like, I do too. I, oh, I, I do. I don't understand that. I, I do too. I, who knows? Between is Gene Smith leaving? Ross Bjork starts in the summer. Who makes the decision as to whether he's out? Who makes the decision on who the next head coach is? Yeah, I, I just and and again uh, to to anyone who is, is attempting to still make the argument that this has any relationship that college athletics has any relationship to college 
right to to, uh, institutions of higher education. These are the kind of things that, right, barring a scandal of which nobody knows anything about, right? Like, nobody is accusing Ohio State and Chris Holtman of having anything in the closet. It is purely performance-based. They're saying because a team is 4-10 and in the Big Ten, uh, that they should that they should ask their head coach. I mean, it's just it's it's not it's well, not it's not uh, not right. Well, what has been one of the issues he's had? He's recruited well enough where I think there's been every once in a while a surprise or two that have opted for the NBA draft after the first year. Brandon is one of them. I they never thought Brandon was going to be a one and done. And he ended up being a one-and-done, and guess what? That means Chris has to figure out how to replace him. He couldn't. Yep. No, it's, it, and, and certainly over the years you've seen, uh, it, right, it, it, what's interesting to me and, and the broader conversation of college coaching, right, and so I'm specifically talking about men's basketball and football, mm-hmm. is it's, it is as much or more, being a general manager than it is right. anything else, right? I mean, in, in like it is, it is overwhelmingly about not what your approach to the game is. Oh. <laughs> it is about how do you manage the roster, how do you acquire talent, uh, how do you manage your coaching staffs and and the people that you surround in the program. I mean, and, and fundraising, like the, that's. That's what being a head coach means uh, at this level. Uh, again, I'm, I'm cross-pollinating here, but Chip Kelly, as to right from head coach mm-hmm. at UCLA to uh, offensive coordinator, it's not because he doesn't want to coach. It's because he does want to coach. That's right. Right? You that's can't right. coach if you're a head coach. You, you, that's not part of the job responsibility anymore. Uh, of what that position means, so it's uh, it's it's just a very very interesting time in college athletics. And you always make it a lot more fun to talk about. So, hey, that's what I'm here for. Appreciate you, my friend. We'll see you a little bit later. Thanks so much, Steve. Nate Bauer, and today's show has been brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We'll talk to you Monday here from the Sunbury Motor Studio on News Radio 1070 WKOK.